Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. The regular season is over. The playoffs field is now set with San Pablo Burgos and Lid Cabelis getting the last playoff spots in game day 14. Here to talk about those games and much more with me is David Hine, who is on the road in Kaunas this week. Dave, how you doing? Fantastic. Uh, and uh, just as I expected, Lead Cabela's grabbing the last spot in Group A. And uh, yeah, now the fun starts with the playoffs. Now the fun has been the entire season, but now the stakes get uh, ratcheted up a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be great to get some elimination playoff games. Uh, we have to wait a little bit. The playoffs start March 3rd and 4th. So a little less than a month away. The playoff draw is Tuesday, February 18th. So the teams, the uh, the number one seed from each group will be put in a pool with the number four seeds, the number twos versus the number threes. And if I remember correctly, you can't be drawn against somebody from your own group. So, for example, a team like Turk Telecom who finished first in Group A. They will be matched up against Bandirma from Group B, Peristeri from Group C, or Besiktas from Group D. So the draw is February 18th. We'll talk about the playoff matchups when those are set. 11 countries will be represented in the round of 16, which is pretty cool. Joining us on the show this week is David Holston, the great point guard from JDA Dijon. David uh, has helped Dijon get second place in Group D. And so we talked about Dijon's season growing up and, and playing as a 5-7-ish uh, point guard and, uh, and, and the challenges that come with that. So stay tuned for that interview later in the show. Also, make sure you go to the website championsleague.basketball to follow along with all the news and analysis and everything between now and the playoffs. Dave and I will have podcasts for you every week between now and the playoffs. We'll get some guests on uh, for interviews, even though there, there won't be any BCL games to talk about. All right, let's jump in now with the Game Day 14 Team of the Week Leading it off, Axel Julien from Dijon. He had 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists in a blowout win over Besiktas. Retin Obasowin from Broza Bomberg had 22 points and 7 assists as they beat Tenerife in overtime and uh, introduced a little bit of chaos into Group C. Zelko Sakic from Lidkabelis. 17 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals as they picked up the big victory over Halone to sneak into the playoffs. Kyle Wilcher from Turk Telecom, 32 points and 8 rebounds, another 30-plus point game for the sharpshooter there. And the MVP this week, Earl Clark from San Pablo Borgos, 21 points, 12 rebounds, 4 blocks as Borgos beat Rastafecta and qualified for the playoffs. Dave, uh, any thoughts about the uh, the team of the week? Yeah, I I mean those guys are are pretty much all all fine. Um, I, I think there's a couple of guys that maybe had a, had a decent case for themselves. Uh, you look at Obasan, you know, even his teammate Kristen Sankfelder. You saw those two huge threes, which we might talk about a little bit later um, for Bumberg. Um, I think that um, I think that DJ Seely uh, from Saragossa had a case. 
uh, as well. He had uh, 16, 7, and 4 assists. He had 13 points, three threes in the final eight minutes in that thriller uh, against Brindisi. Um, and uh, and actually Brandon Brown, I think, might uh, – you know, he had the um, 24, uh, 5 rebounds, 11 assists. He had – it was eight points, four assists, two rebounds, a block, and a steal – in the fourth quarter, um, I hope I didn't take everybody, but I probably end up ended up taking everybody who didn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, all of those guys were worthy. But you know, a, a good wide pool of players. Um, hopefully, you have at least one more that uh, that uh, probably could have been uh, could have been given a spot. Yeah, so Brandon Brown was uh, who I was thinking of with 24 and 11, but I would also throw Deshaun Booker from Nimbrick in there. He had 25 points. 21 yeah. of those came in the first half, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, so Booker Booker maybe had a good argument too, but I'm, I'm cool with the team of the week. All of those teams got really uh, important wins, so I'm, I'm cool with that. Panini cuts to the baseline. Nobody's open. Capane takes the dribble, gets it away. Bounces clear, Lecavala snatch it in the death. Copain couldn't hit the three. Lecavala win. What drama here. All right, so let's jump in with the group by group breakdowns, starting it off with group A. And I feel like we have to start with Lee Cabellas beating Halone 69-68 on the road to snatch the final playoff spot. In Group A, they were also helped by Sasari beating Manresa 64-61. to Manresa would have qualified for the playoffs with a win, but they lose. Leet Cabela's beat Halone, and the Lithuanians are in. We mentioned Zelko Sakic on the team of the week, but it was Polyas Valinskis who ended up being the hero late. He was fouled on a three-pointer, down by two points made all of his free throws with 0.9 seconds left. And Lead Cabellus threw to the playoffs just like we, we both predicted. Right, Dave? <laughs> well, you know, I did say yes, uh, last week when we were looking at players who, who who we would like to see on other teams, I said Sakic and I said, oh, what, they actually still have a chance to make the playoffs. I do remember saying that. Um, and, and uh, you know, Valinskas, he made those free throws and – First of all, they had to check the time to see how much time there was left. And Panini and even Klein a little bit were really talking at him. And so to go, you know, uh, and nail those three. And also, Valinskas, he drew the foul, the offensive foul on Copain with, um, I think it was 62 seconds left um, to get the possession back because they were, they were trailing um, by, by five points uh, within the final two minutes. Um, and actually held and held uh, Halone scoreless for the final two sixteen. So you know Sakic deservedly on on the alterna- on the on the team of the week. Um, but Valinska's you know not only the free throws but the big uh, offensive foul uh, drawn on on Kuprin. Um I guess that um, yeah. So you know yeah. Just uh, uh, you know we talked to we talked to uh, TJ Klein a couple weeks ago, and obviously you know they. Would have loved to have gotten in there, but you know, Lee Cabellus, you know, hey, you gotta, um, you gotta, you gotta hold home court, and they weren't uh, alone, weren't able to do it, neither was Manresa, and so now Lee Cabellus sneak in. Yeah, really impressive finish to the regular season for Lee Cabellus. They won their final three games to go from four and seven to seven and seven, and sneak into the playoffs. Uh, heartbreaker for Manresa, they lose to Sasari by. 
three points. That was their fourth straight loss, so they went the uh, the exact opposite way. They were seven and three. Uh, ended up losing their fourth straight game. Uh, this one at home against the Italian club. Uh, Dave, this this Manresa team, we were really high on them at the beginning of the season. A lot of injuries, changes to the roster. Frankie Ferrari getting hurt uh, at the beginning of the year was was a big loss for them. Uh, what, what what do you think about the Spanish side kind of falling apart these last few weeks? You know, we we've said it uh, over the last th- three four weeks. You know, you win three in a row, uh, and you're right in the mix for the playoffs. You lose four in a row, uh, three or four in a row, and you're and you're in the in the mix to not make the playoffs. And that's exactly the case. Uh, you know, Manresa losing four straight, and uh, and that's and that's enough. You know, I mean, uh, you get in a tie break, and and uh, you happen to to not have had a good game, and 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 you're out. So. You know it's a tough situation uh, for for Manresa, but you know Spain do have at least three three of the teams uh, in the competition and now into the quarterfinal into the uh, to the to the playoffs. Yeah, Spain will be well represented in the round of sixteen, no doubt about that. Elsewhere in this group, Ostend with another win, they beat Torun seventy five to seventy. Mikhail McIntosh had fourteen points, ten rebounds in that game, and Turk Telecom. Beat Strasbourg ninety to eighty nine to clinch first place in the group, uh, which which could end up being pretty important. They have the same record as Dinamo Sassari, but they are in first place with the tiebreaker. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on Group A? Um, Ostend only seventy five points against Tyrone. Oh, man, <laughs> we were talking last week if they can hit a hundred. Um, so the new look Strasbourg, uh, Boris Dallo, 23 points, eight of 13. He had been averaging five points a game and he explodes for 13 points. So, uh, for 23 points, interesting six losses in a row for Strasbourg to, uh, to end, end the, uh, Champions League, uh, regular season for, for my final four pick. Stolen away by Lima, quick hands by the big man, drives the lane, and one, Augusto Lima! Alright, moving on to Group B, let's start with San Pablo Borgos beating Rastafecta 87-71 to to get the last playoff spot in Group B. Fecta needed to win this game by at least seven points to make the playoffs. Borgos just needed to win or lose by less than six Early on, Fecta were playing really well. Uh, I think I think they started the game well, and it seemed like they were uh, they were maybe gonna pull this one out on the road in Spain. But Augusto Lima, his hustle really changed the tone of this game. His offensive rebounds, he was leading to three pointers. He had a great putback dunk, a couple incredible blocks to prevent layups on fast breaks. Alex Barrera came in and hit a couple threes off the bench, and Earl Clark just absolutely came alive in the second quarter. After a bad first quarter, he had 16 points in the second alone. Uh, he It started with a big block shot. That seemed to get his confidence up. Then he had an and one, a three, another three. He attacked a closeout for another and one, an elbow jumper, and then one more three-pointer to close out the quarter. And from there, Fecta just couldn't quite get back in the game. They did cut the lead down to eight points at the end of the third quarter, but Burgos hold on and make it to the playoffs as the number three seed in Group B. Dave, uh, what, what were your thoughts on this game, and uh, how how dangerous do you think Burgos can be going forward? 
anytime you shoot only 36% from the field, as Fechte did uh, on the road, it's going to be hard to win, even though they did uh, force uh, Burgos into 22 turnovers. Uh, Burgos, as far as uh, how dangerous, I mean, you know, this is a team. Uh, yeah, this is a team that I picked actually to win that group. Um, so, you know, it's a team that, you know, we both liked in general. And uh, so I, I, I'm definitely dangerous. You know, they're, they, they, have, uh, they have veteran leadership. They're big. Uh, they have great home, uh, a, a great home, um, home crowd there. Um, depending what they have to do as far as the, uh, uh, in, the in the playoffs, uh, obviously the second seed from, the other, from one of the other groups will have home court advantage. Uh, but you know, if they can steal the first game, then they could close out at home. Uh, so definitely dangerous. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see who Borgos match up against in the round of 16. They finished the regular season second in offensive rating. That's points per 100 possessions. Only Hapoel Jerusalem had a better offense than Borgos. Uh, I would love to see them uh, matched up against Tenerife uh, because Tenerife have the second best defense behind only Nimberg. Uh So that that could potentially. Uh, and and I, I looked and actually bump, uh, Burgos lost both of the games to Tenerife gotcha. this year as well. I saw. Yeah. I, so that, uh, that could be a really interesting matchup in the round of 16. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, I think maybe next week before the draw, we might do uh, playoff matchups that we hope to see. Elsewhere in Group B, Hapoel Jerusalem beat Antwerp 88 to 73. Ike beat Anvil 83 to 72 to clinch second place in the group. And Bandirma beat Poortes 81 to 66. Dave, any final thoughts on Group B? Um, just uh, just kind of looking at Ike a little bit, obviously with all, all the changes, Langford hurt, uh, um, Geekus hurt, uh, St. Ruse. Uh, gone. Uh, notice that uh, Kendrick Ray was the leading scorer with 14 points, five of 16, uh, five of 16 shots, three of 11 from three-point range. Um, his most, his previous high had been uh, 13 shots, um, and the next uh, next top shooter um, had 10 shots. Um, so Kendrick Ray is kind of taking over the Keith Langford. I'll take take um, a brunt of the shots role as he's this 10 assists and uh the kid uh nikos rakavapopoulos uh that's probably not very good but uh 15 points uh for the 2001 born so impressive showing from them so just kind of like looking to see what ike's gonna look like because obviously there's a team that we thought uh might be championship material and now we you know really don't know i mean we have to look at status of, of Langford um, as one of the main things. He should be ready, I would imagine, though, for the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. Uh, but that's it. You know, otherwise, you know, the group, uh, you know, we kind of knew uh, except for the last spot, and that was decided with the Burgos game. All right, moving on to Group C. All four of the teams that made the playoffs had already clinched entering this week, but there was still some to be decided in terms of positioning. Bomberg upset Tenerife 98-96 to in overtime. That, paired with Nimberg beating Peristeri 84-72, to puts Nimberg in first place. Tenerife dropped to second, despite being one of the top teams all season long. Uh, so pretty uh, incredible 
outcome there in Group C. Let's start with the Bomberg game. Santa Eusta sent the game into overtime late for Tenerife. Dave mentioned Christian Sangfelder hit a couple huge three-pointers uh, in the final 35 seconds of overtime to lift Bomberg to the win. Uh, Dave, what, are, what were your thoughts on Tenerife losing this one and, and dropping to second behind Nimberg? You know what? I'm actually going to say that Bumberg won this one. Um, you know, they've had a lot of games where they haven't been able to, um, you know, uh, really deliver in the end. And, you know, they really did close this one out. They had the, they were losing, uh, in overtime. Um, and, uh, you know, Yusta needed to hit the big three to send it to overtime, Bomberg had five players in double digits. I know we probably don't need to talk too much about Bomberg since they're not going to make it into the, the next round. But I tell you what, the thing that probably I remember most and really scares the you-know-what out of me was seeing Sasso Saloon go down like that. Um, I know uh, I'm, I'm older than you. Uh, I don't know if the listeners of the show remember the name Hank Gathers, but that was right in my wheelhouse time-wise where – where he died on the court, um, Loyola Marymount. Um, and so just seeing him go down like that, um, was, and I watched on re and I watched on replay and I knew that actually he played later, which I still couldn't figure out how that actually happened. But, um, but seeing him go down just scared, scared me so bad. Just thinking, uh, reliving that whole, uh, Hank gathers, uh, um, really horrible, uh, tragedy, um, back, um, whenever that was at late, the late eighties or whatever it was. So that's the thing that really sticks out. And I hope that I haven't seen it. I also haven't looked. I just hope that everything, you know, turned out okay. You know, uh, scans or whatever that was taken or just, um, because that, that was really scary to see him go down. Yeah, for sure. And, that, and that's not the first time that's happened with Salin either. That happened, uh, when he was with Gran Canaria as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully, oh, hopefully everything is okay with him and, and he's able to be healthy and play going forward, but most importantly, just his health, uh, should be the number one priority. So yeah, ho hopefully Sasu Salin is okay. Um, just another final note from this game, Marcelino Huertas set the record for most assists in a single regular season with 115 surpassing Aaron Johnson. Uh, so Marcelino Huertas, uh, like, like a fine wine, getting better with age. Let's move on to Nimbrick beating Peristeri. Uh, Deshaun Booker, I mentioned 21 points in the first half alone. Hayden Dalton had a clutch three in the fourth quarter to fend off a late Peristeri rally. They win that one 84-72 to to clinch first place in the group. Elsewhere, Nizhny beat Riga 81-74, to and Gaziantep close out the regular season with a win, beating Mornar 86-79. to uh, Dave, any final thoughts on Group C, and uh, and maybe just a, a shout-out for Nimberg getting first place, the, the Czech champions? Yeah, uh, them closing that game out, and, uh, you know, uh, Peristeri uh, coming back and, and making it a tight game. Uh, but then showing the, the, the maturity to, to get it done. Uh, Michael Dixon didn't play. Um, he actually last played in the game against T Tenerife on January 14th. So, uh, you know, it's funny that we actually, you know, really praised him being in there. Uh, but he hasn't played the last couple of weeks. And, uh, Favriga, uh, 
13 losses in a row after beating Mornar Bar in the first week of the season. The longest losing streak in the BCL in one season, 13 in a row. Um, so many of those games, they were ahead in the games. They actually had a, a, a 11 point lead in the fourth quarter and they lost this one. So I know it's not good to laugh at the, at something like this, but it's just, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's a team that, that could have actually had a much better record. Not going to say that they would have been really challenging for the playoffs, but, uh, yeah, 13 losses in a row. It's not good. All right. Moving on to group D. One team that is surging right now is Zaragoza. They beat Brindisi 93-91 to to finish in first place in Group D. Dylan Ennis with a buzzer-beating layup to win this one. Uh, Dave, group, group D has been pretty tough to figure out throughout the regular season, uh, but Zaragoza, they, they've been playing really well as of late. This seems like the, the right team to finish first place in this group, right? Yeah. I think so. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mentioned Seeley in the, uh, in the team of the week and, uh, just a huge fourth quarter to step up. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of different guys that can step up for this team. And so that's what really makes them, uh, dangerous. Um, and, you know, they can go and run, uh, in a game like this with Brindisi on the road. And so, yeah, this, uh, they won that group, uh, deservedly so, I would say. Yeah, finishing in second place is Dijon. They beat Besiktas 88-47. to A huge blowout win for the French club to finish in second place. Besiktas will end up in fourth place at 7-7. Seven and seven, And they lost another key piece over the weekend with Shaquille McKissick, their best player, leaving the team. So Besiktas will, will be in a very tough spot going into the playoffs. Elsewhere in this group, Pauk beat Bonn 103-84. to Bonn are in the playoffs as the number three seed in Group D, but they will have a new head coach uh, as they fired Tomas Pach over the weekend. And Neptunus beat Falco 87-83. to uh, Neither of those teams were eligible for the playoffs, but a competitive final game for two teams that had pretty solid regular seasons overall. Uh, Dave, what do, you, what do you think about the rest of the Group D? And uh, it's, it's still still being chaotic, but just in different ways now with uh, players and coaches coming and going. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the, the struggles in Germany costed uh, Thomas Pesch's job, and uh, Will Feucht is going to be the guy who's going to have to come in and take over. The People might know him as the Angolan national team coach. A uh, guy who doesn't really necessarily know the German German league um, or the or the BCL. Uh, I mean, you may keep up with it here and there, but uh, you know, it's obviously not you know dealing with it on a daily basis. So you know, he has a couple of weeks at least BCL wise to 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 get up to speed. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see what he what he can change. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a team that that. Um, you know that finished third had a had a pretty good season, uh, and so you know we you know Jeff Taylor uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know said this is a team caliber wise, uh, talent wise that can maybe even play for a Final Four spot. Uh, just haven't been able to 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 put it together, uh, mainly in the in the in the B, in the BBL in Germany. All right, so that's it for the group by group breakdowns. Let's go to overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up, stat of the week. Dave, I'll go first on this one. Manresa, they lost this game to Dinamo Sassari 64-61. They had to win to get into the playoffs. And only 21% 
of Man Manresa's points came from their starters. So that's my stat of the week with 21. William McGarity, Jordan Sacco, Wampi Valle, Davidas Dulcis, Danny Perez. Those five guys started the game but combined for just 13 points for Manresa in the loss. If they could have gotten 17 out of them, they, they would have made the playoffs. But uh, yeah, tough situation for Manresa as they lost some of their best players earlier in the season. Those guys had to step up and weren't quite up to the challenge against Sassari in game day 14. Uh, what's your stat of the week? I'm going to go with two. And that's the plus minus actually for the season for Elite Cabelas. Wow. Uh, they, they had seven games that were decided by six points or fewer, and they were in a four and three in those games, uh, obviously including the, 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 the winner. Um, you mentioned before they ended on a three game winning streak. Um, and, and it's so much in international basketball, um, and, uh, and, and, and in club basketball as well is, uh, it, it's hard to know, uh, if you win or lose the wrong game or right game. Uh, but definitely you don't want to um, lose any game by big margins. Um, and as it turned out back on uh, December 17th in game day nine, uh, Lead Cabellas won at home by 16 points over Manresa, and that carried them to the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, great point. You never know uh, when a when a big result like that could come back to either help you or haunt you as you try to fight for the playoffs. Next up. Surprise playoff team. Um, I'm going to go with, with two from Group A. Uh, sorry to take two of them from you. Uh, but Ostend and Lead Cabela's, both of those teams, I'm really surprised, made it uh, based on where we were looking at things from the beginning of the season. We both picked Strasbourg to go to the Final Four. Uh, that obviously is not going to happen. I also thought Manresa and Halone would be better than they ended up finishing. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Ostend and, and Lee Cabellis in, in Group A for staying the course, uh, coming on really strong in the second half of the regular season. Both of those teams finished very well, and they are rewarded with a spot in the round of 16. Uh, Dave, who's your surprise playoff team? Thanks for taking both. No, just kidding. Um, I mean, okay, Lee Cabellis is easy, uh, but I'll go with Ostend um, because... Um, I just thought with the amount of youngsters that they really relied on and what appeared to be a lack of firepower, um, you know, going back, I had them actually ranked seventh to finish seventh in, in the, in the, in the, um, in the group with Lee Cabela's finishing last, um, Tyrone was actually supposed to make the playoffs, <laughs> but didn't work out. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go with Ostend. Yeah, good good pick. And I think uh Besiktas could be another one that you could put in there uh to win to win four games in a row after all of the changes they had. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Um so yeah, I'm pretty surprised Besiktas made it in as well. Next up, most disappointing, uh I this this one just has to be Strasbourg. I don't I don't think there's any other way around it. Uh they we both picked them to make it to the final four. They started the season okay. They were four and four, not great, but you know you can survive uh, playing five hundred ball. Uh, six straight losses, though, to end the regular season for Strasbourg as they completely fell apart as the season progressed. Uh, yeah, that's got to be my most disappointing team. What about you, Dave? I made sure I had something extra. Uh, you know, we've we've I've been on this. I can't believe Strasbourg uh, ship all all season. But another team I actually picked in the final four didn't make the playoffs. Do you know what it is? 
Brindisi. Yeah, exactly. Good, good one. Yeah, Brindisi, five and nine, last place in Group D. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't think I have to say too much. I mean, you know, uh, Group D, which I still don't see as super powerful, you know, but uh, we could talk about that, you know, when the you know closer to the to the playoffs. But uh, yeah, Brindisi, I would say, is the most disappointing team. Strasbourg, okay, but uh, Brindisi, like I said, I I had them in the final four as well, so I'm gonna go with them. All right, next up is the team that we will miss the most that got eliminated. I'm going to go with Anvil, the Polish uh, team. They were really fun to watch all season. Uh, you know, Tony Roten, Ricky Ledeau, Chris Doe, those guys were uh, were really fun to watch. Igor Milicic uh, runs a, a good system there, and their fans are, are phenomenal and travel very well. So, yeah, I'm going to miss Anvil as uh, the team that got eliminated. Uh, Dave, what, what team will you miss the most? I'm going to say Feshta, um, just, uh, because, you know, they, you know, they were in a tough group there. Um, and, uh, you know, this is their first adventure, uh, in Europe. Um, and obviously they were had all the heroics last season in the, in the, in Germany. Um, and I, and I'd say they hit on, on most of the guys, um, that they picked, uh, you know, uh, as new, new players to bring in and, um, and you know they play exciting three ball and play good defense and stuff like that. So uh, I'm gonna go with Fechter. Yeah, Fechter was my second choice. I think uh, if they were in any other group, I think they probably would have been able to make it. Uh, but Group B ended up being just absolutely brutal. Um, speaking of that, the next topic: scariest four seed as we go into the playoffs. So if you are Turk Telecom, Hapoel Jerusalem, Nimburg, or Zaragoza, the number one seeds. What team do you want to avoid in the playoffs? And for me, it's definitely Bandirma in Group B. Uh, they closed the regular season very strong, four straight wins to get into the playoffs. Emmanuel Terry is an absolute monster in the paint. I would not want to have to deal with that guy in a two- or three-game playoff series. Um, they've got good guard play, good youngsters. They hustle. Uh, they can they can beat you in, in a few different ways. Uh, so, yeah, I would definitely hope to avoid Bandirma in the round of 16 if I was a top seed. Dave, who's your scariest four seed? Uh, I was going to pick Bandirma, but I had another team just in case. I f- assumed you probably would just because the four seeds are, you know, eh, they're okay. But I'm going to go a little <laughs> a little bit uh, different this time, say Besiktas. Because they lost another player, and as it seems, as they, they only get better as they lose um, head coaches and leading players. So now it's Shaquille uh, McKissick out. Uh, it's next man up, and uh, so Gotcher is going to be, you know, playing out of his mind. And so I, I mean, whatever. It's kind of a you know, sort of uh, not one hundred percent serious, but. Yeah, like I said, I was going to pick Bandirma, but uh, Besiktas, just the fact that uh, McKissick is gone and and maybe the next guy is stepping up. Um, And uh, so, yeah, let's go there. Yeah, and maybe just the unpredictability factor with Besiktas. How do you prepare for that team? You don't know who you're going to play against. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that that might be a factor. All right, so that's going to do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have my interview with David Holston from Dijon. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. The team is Holston tries downtown. David Holston puts him up by 31, and it is raining threes here in the city of Dijon. Points just like last week. Carbon copy. Lamonte Omar. He's got Adelaide Lum. He's going to give it up. Holston. Out him. Oh, baby! 
King Solomon with another alley All right, so on the show this week, we have point guard David Holston from JDA Dijon. David, thanks for taking some time to talk to us this week. For sure. So first of all, congrats on the big win in game day 14. You guys beat Besiktas 88 to 47. Uh, what, what were the keys to you guys getting that blowout win? Uh, I think our main key were pretty much like they, they always are. It's uh, starting with good defense. You know, our defense, uh, makes our offense go. So, you know, we're pretty good in transition. So. I mean, once we play good defense, I think I think uh, when we play good defense like that, we pretty much have a good outcome of, of, of our games. Yeah, for sure. And I loved uh, I loved your alley oop to Axel Julian. How did how did it feel to get the point guard to point guard alley oop? Uh, it feels it's, 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 it feels really good. You know, uh, anytime me and him do any type of actions like that together, it feels really good. You know. Because we've been together, playing together so long, so I mean, it felt really good to, to get that one, get that one down. You know, the crowd was excited, it was excited, and, and it felt really good. It was a really good moment. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was wondering if that's like the shortest alley oop combo ever. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's got to be up there, up up high on the list. Yeah, so as a point guard, what's it like playing with all these super athletic guys? Because like, like Axel has some bounce, obviously, but then you've got uh, like Suleiman, Loom, like all, all these guys can get up. Uh, how how how's it uh, you know as a point guard playing with guys like that? Uh, it's, it's really good, you know. Like like a, like a lot of guys on our team, you know, they can get up, like you said. Like uh, I can, it's, it's fun actually. Be on the fast break. You got your looking up, and you got you can go to either side for a, a, a lob or you, you know even if you throw a bad pass to them, they're, they're so athletic, you know they're going to catch it. So it's for a point guard. It's really it's, it's really really fun, you know. Especially I love throwing lobs to my teammates, and I know they love catching them. So it's fun on, on both parts, you know. Yeah, for sure. And so. Before this game, uh, you guys had back-to-back losses in the BCL. You lost to Zaragoza by 32 and then Bond by 11. Did that give you guys any extra motivation coming into this game? Yeah, it really did. You know, Coach, Coach you know, was saying all week, you know, we had a bounce back. We had two tough losses. And uh, we, had to, we had to answer and bounce back, you know. I think we did pretty good with that, you know. I blame myself morally for, you know, the the two losses we had. I really didn't play as I wanted. I really didn't help the team much as I should have, you know. But it did happen sometimes in the season. But I was happy we was able to bounce back. I was looking forward to the next round. Yeah, for sure. So let, let's talk about your background a little bit. Uh, so you grew up in Michigan, uh, in like the Detroit area, right? Yeah, so then, so I saw you had a really great high school career, but you didn't receive any college scholarship offers. Is that correct? Yep, yep. I didn't receive any any scholarship offers. 
off. Yeah. So, yeah. so after that, so you go to Chicago State as a walk on. Uh, wh- what led you to Chicago State? Actually, one of my AAU teammates, we uh, he told me he was, me and him grew up together, playing ball together. Uh, his name is John Cadrell, but he was one of, a, a good friend of mine. And he told me he was going down. He knew somebody uh, that told us we can go down to Chicago State for like an open run, an open tryout. And uh, he said I can go with him if I wanted. So, you know, I I went with them, and it was a crazy story that we drove like four and a half, five hours down there just for an open run, just to see what you see what the coach thought of us, and you know, from there we we was able to get a scholarship after the open run. Well, wow, yeah. So, what what was your mentality at that point? Like, did you think like I'm gonna be a pro basketball player, or were you just like? trying to make the Chicago State team? Like, like, kind of where was your head at at that point? I mean, at that point, I was just like, I mean, I was just like, I just, I don't, I don't, I didn't really didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't really, didn't wasn't thinking about being a pro. I mean, everybody wants to be a pro, you know, when you're a young age like that. But I was just thinking of the next step. I just got to keep working hard and figuring out what I'm going to do. You know, because I love basketball so much that I want to just be playing, you know. And uh, I just want to do something, do whatever I can to make that team. And I was just blessed to, to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, so you ended up having a really great career there. Uh, you're fourth yeah. in the NCAA in career three-pointers, which is a pretty crazy, uh, crazy, you know, stat to have uh can you can you name the three guys ahead of you do you know who they are i think it's i think i know it's travis bader for sure yeah he's second uh, i think i think jj reddick right yep and i forgot i, I forgot who the other other guys are yeah so the- i think somebody just just passed yeah, so it was uh, Fletch- Fletcher McGee who plays. Uh, he plays for o- Obradoiro in Spain now, but yeah, he uh, he just passed you guys this last year. Oh, okay, okay. I, I probably knew it was like a new a new guy. Yeah, that's pretty awesome though. Fourth all fourth all time. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so. How tall are you? I've I've seen five six. I've seen five eight. How uh, how tall are you actually? I think I would say like five seven, five seven and a half. But that even makes that's even a number. <laughs> five, five eight on a good day. Myself, as, yeah, I try to give myself much as much as I can. <laughs> But I think it's probably like five, five, seven, five, seven, probably yeah. Yeah. So what what would you say to other uh, to any kind of you know young basketball player coming up who is undersized? Like how how did you get to the point of you know having a good, a very good uh, NCAA and then pro career uh, being that size? Like what what advice would you give to guys like that? I would. 
basically tell them just like anything is possible, you know, with with hard work, like never giving up. You know, you're gonna go through some hard times. You're always gonna have hard times, but you just you can never give up. You always got to keep pushing and working hard. Like I, like they say, you know, it's it's hard over height, so you got to work hard and give give everything you got every single day to get where you want to be. And you know, that's what I would what I would what I would tell them. Yeah, for sure. So I th- I think it's obvious that you know being uh being the shortest guy on the court every night has its uh disadvantages but w- what's your favorite thing about being the smallest guy out there like there's there's got to be uh there's got to be some advantages as well uh i think uh, some some advantages are you know I'm most of the time mostly faster than other guys so that's really a, a pretty good advantage and then i'm lower 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 than everybody so I get I could be able to get a lot of steals, you know, so uh it's I mean it has this is advantages, you know, I just I just try to take advantage every any time I can with the height I have just to just to, you know, mess with people on the court, be like a be like a pest, you know, anytime I can. Just and that, I mean that's those are mainly the advantages, but, you know, it's I mean, it's it's, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I just take take whatever I can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. Um, so, in your pro career, you've uh, you've played in Turkey a couple times, Germany a couple times, uh, France a couple times. Now, uh, what what would you say some of the differences are between playing in those three countries? France probably, uh, I would say, is probably the most athletic. You know, like they got they get they get up and down really well. I think uh, Germany Germany is a bit a bit slower than uh, France, and I think Turkey is the Turkish league is a really really physical league. Uh, playing there was I started there, and I was surprised how physical it was. You know, like the guys really are really really physical in Turkey, and. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's just different everywhere you go. It's it's different, but I think I I think I actually like being in France the most out of out of the three. So I mean, it's, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any uh, any favorite places that you've traveled in your in your European career? Just like favorite city or anything like that. I think my favorite city would probably be Frankfurt. Frankfurt, Germany. Really? Of all the cities I've been to to play. Why is that? Um, I guess it's, I don't know, I really don't, I think I got this, this is like the feeling I had being there. Uh, I mean, I mean, of course I love, I love, I'm in Dijon and that's, this is probably like the best city I've been to play in. But when I visited Frankfurt and, and you know, I was able to go there for like, uh, uh, vacation or whatever. I mean, I just enjoy being there, like the places they had, like the different food and the different shopping. I mean, I was there for vacation, so it wasn't like a basketball thing, but I would probably have to say Frankfurt. I always said Frankfurt was like my one of my favorite cities in, in Europe. 
Cool. Yeah, that, that's not what I was expecting. I feel like a lot of, a lot of people would say like I don't know Paris or you know one, one of the one of the bigger cities or something. I mean, so yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Paris. Paris is yeah. Paris. I really Paris is cool, but I really don't like like in France. I would probably say other than the being in Dijon, I would probably say Lyon is my favorite city in France. Cool. So yeah, so for these interviews, uh, we ask uh, the BCL fans on Instagram for some questions. Uh, so this one is from Jim underscore 35. They said, what's the best team that you've faced in the BCL? Uh, this year, for sure, I would have to say uh, Zaragoza. I think they got more, probably one of the best teams in the whole the whole uh, BCL league, I would say, they have a really good team. The way they move the ball and play together, they have a, they're probably the best team. We I didn't play, and I think they're probably one of the best teams in the whole uh, BCL. Cool. Th- this one's from Charlotte Fayette. She wants to know why do you wear number eleven? I wear number eleven because of Isaiah Thomas. I grew up watching him as a really young player. Me being around, being from the Detroit area, I was always watching the Detroit Pistons, and Isaiah Thomas is one of my favorite players. Yeah, did did you try to model your game after him at all? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, him being like a shorter guard and just being a uh, playing, giving his all every game. I, I really modeled my game after him. Watching him, watching him game in and game out. Even the older games, I still go back and watch. Some of the things he did, like he played so hard, and I, you know, I really want to have my game like that. Yeah, he was a tough dude. Did, have you seen the uh, the sprained ankle game against the Lakers? Yeah, yeah, against the Lakers. Yeah. What was it? What I can't I can't remember. Do you have like twenty one in a, in the fourth quarter or something like that? In the fourth quarter, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. He couldn't barely even walk. Still like that. Still was able to help his team get the win, and that was one thing I always remember. Yeah, for sure. If it, anybody listening to this who doesn't know what we're talking about, just go to YouTube and search Isaiah Thomas sprained ankle game. It's it's incredible. He's like hopping around on one leg and just getting buckets. Yeah. Um, Mad buckets. It's crazy. Yeah. So another. Uh, Another Instagram question. This one is from G.VTR. Uh, they want to know, uh, how do you find the city of Dijon? Like, What, what do you like about it? Uh, Dijon is a pretty unique city. You know, they, of course, they have the Dijon mustard here. But uh, I think I, I like it because it's uh, it has pretty much everything you need. It's a smaller city, but it has pretty much everything you need, you know. Uh, that people here are really nice. Uh, I just, it's just, it just has this way of connecting with me, you know, and, uh, I really, really, really like it. You know, from the bakery to the, to the different restaurants they have, it's just, it's really, it's a really nice city to me. Cool. How's your French? Uh, my French, I mean, it's, I'm struggling with it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to learn much as I can, but it's it's kind of difficult, you know. Like some English words is two words in French, and it's just like, oh man. But I'm trying my best to learn 
small thing day by day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not easy. Uh, so you were named MVP of the French League last season uh, at 33 years old, which I think is probably pretty rare for for guys that age to win an MVP award. Uh, what what did it you know what did it mean to you to get that award at this point in your career? Uh, it means a lot, you know. I, I mean, I didn't have some. Uh, I didn't have some. You know, I've been went through some rough times in my career. You know, like some down times. But to come back and be able to get an award like that, it really meant a lot. You know, like I just I worked I worked with extremely hard. Try to do whatever I can to to help keep my body right and. It, it mean the it mean the a lot to 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 get that award, uh, especially for the city of Dijon and for the people here, for my family. Like you know, it it, it means a, a lot. Cool, and you guys are having a, another really good season this year. You're uh, near the top of the standings in France, and of course, uh, second in your group in the BCL. Uh, what is it that makes this team so good this season? What do you, what are you guys doing well? I think we I think we playing together really well. Uh, I know we got a couple guys back from uh, last year. I mean the core the core of the team. Like, uh, but I think we're we're playing together really well and we're having fun at the same time. You know. Like sometimes it's you have really good teams, but you don't have fun together. So I think the group that we have this year, everybody gets along really well. You know, we don't have like you know outside guys or anything like that. So I think it's you know it's important for a team to to be almost like a family together. You know, to be able to play together. But I think we're we're just having fun together. You know, everybody knows each other really well. You know, we just want to keep going far as we can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are your guys' goals for uh, both the BCL season and the French League? Uh, The French League, you know, we want to, like I said, we want to try to make it far as we can. Uh, We're going in a good way right now. You know, I think we're... Like last year, I think we may have had a historic season. I think we're going for another one this year. So, I mean, of course, the goal now is to win the title and something. You know, either that we have the Leaders' Cup coming up, the uh, the French Cup, and then you have the 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 regular season championship. So, we want to try to win a title with something. For the BCL, uh, uh, our goal was uh, one of our goals at the beginning of the season was to make it to the second round. So we made that. So now we just we want to we want to try to keep going. You know, we we feel like getting that home court advantage was a big was a big key for us. That was one of the next goals to get home court advantage, and we got to take advantage of it now. You know, at, at being able to maybe play two games at home is is a really big thing. So we want to try to do the best we can to. Yeah, for sure. And so now you guys have about a month off uh, before the playoffs in the Champions League. What do, what does this next month kind of look like for you guys? Uh, I think we're uh, 
we have a couple games uh, in the French League left. Then we have a Leaders Cup that's in uh, Disney in Disneyland, so that's going to be pretty cool. Then we have a little time off to try to uh, you know to get away a little bit, but then we want to try to we're going to get back and focus in on the the next round of the BCL. You know, it's really important, really really important for us. You know, this is this we. We don't know what could happen now, so we want to lock in as much as we can, and uh, so we want to try to get to that next round as well. So we want to try to we we gonna we gonna work hard, keep working hard in practice, can make sure our defense is sharp, and try to get to that next round. All right. Well, yeah, I think uh, you know you guys will be for sure one of the tougher teams in the playoffs. It's been a lot of fun watching you guys this season and, and watching you over the past few years. Uh, so David Holson from JDA Dijon, thanks again for joining us on the show this week. And uh, yeah, good luck the rest of the season. Hopefully everybody can can stay healthy and you guys can finish the year strong. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. All right, thanks again to David Holston for joining us on this week's show. Dave, he's he's one of the most electric players in Europe. He's he's a, a really fun guy to watch play. Uh, what, what did you think about what David had to say? That? Yeah, yeah. Um, probably the most surprising thing was was Frankfurt. As someone who lives in Germany and knows Germany pretty well, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have had Frankfurt, you know, very high on there. But uh, you know, people who live in Frankfurt actually, you know, say they do like Frankfurt and. Um, but uh, you know the fact that he won MVP of a league at 33, I think, just says a lot. Um, and uh, uh, just really fun guy. You know, he's a guy that I actually, um, you know, was able to actually watch up close. Uh, not a lot, but a little bit when he was in Germany. He was in Artland. Um, and uh, you know, he's just a a, a charismatic guy that uh, just because. Um, you know, okay. People might say, okay, he's a fan favorite because of his size and everything like that, but he's a heck of a player too. And, uh, and, and some people might, you know, kind of look at the, and I'm not going to say oddity of it because that's, that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. Um, but you know, uh, he's proving it that, that, you know, he's, he's probably the best playmaker, uh, or, or right up there in this league and, you know, he'll, he'll be 34. Um, and so it's like, you know, just, uh, super impressed with him and, and, uh, um, and yeah, Detroit kid through and through, obviously, uh, he went to high school in Auburn Hills, which is where the palace was. And so, you know, it was, it was Pistons or, or nothing for him. Um, so yeah, uh, good, good interview with him. Uh, thanks for, 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 uh, getting that one done while I was on the road. Yeah, it was cool talking to David. Like you said, one of the most just fun players to watch, incredibly skilled, great shooter, great passer, unbelievable handle. Um, if you're, if you're going to be 5'7 or 5'8 and, and have an MVP level career in one of the best leagues in Europe, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some extreme skill and he definitely has that. So it's been really fun watching Holston this season. It's been fun watching Dijon with all of those athletes. And yeah, I'm excited to see who they match up against in the playoffs. Uh, I, I wouldn't be, you know, we've, 
we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit on Dijon. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they can put together a run and end up making it to the final four with, with Holston leading the way um, and those guys getting out and running. So we'll see who they match up against and, and what their road looks like. Uh, but yeah, definitely keep your eyes on Dijon in the round of 16. All right, so that's pretty much it for this week's episode. We don't have uh, any games to preview for next week. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on the regular season uh, or, or anything else before we head into the round of 16? Uh, I just, uh, you know, it was it it was a it was a really fun, entertaining regular season. Surprising, um, you know, you saw upsets, you saw teams that you didn't uh, really expect do well, do well. You had teams that you thought were going to do well, didn't do well, which always adds a, di- a certain dynamic to the to the to the league. Um, and yeah, just now looking forward to, you know, look, keep looking at the, you know, who's the two and who could they play as a three and who's the one they play as a four and thinking about this. And we still got some time to rack our brains with possible matchups. Um, and then, uh, and then to then once we get the draw, then we can really sit down and figure out what these games might look like. Yeah, well said. I, I love the unpredictability of the league. That's one of the things that makes the Basketball Champions League great is you never know uh, who's who's going to be on top, who's going to sneak into the playoffs, who's going to struggle. Uh, it's it's always fascinating to watch. So yeah, it was a great regular season, but I'm really excited for the playoffs here in a few weeks. So that's it for this week's episode. Make sure you guys go to championsleague.basketball, the official website, to Keep up to date with all of the news and analysis and stats and everything over the next few weeks between now and the round of 16. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BasketballCL and go to the Basketball Champions League YouTube page for all of the highlights from a great regular season. Dave and I will be back with you next week and every week between now and the playoffs. We'll have some interviews, do some regular season awards, and uh, break down the playoff matchups after the draw on February 18th. So that's it for the show this week. Thanks again to David Holston for joining us on the program. For David Hine over in Kaunas, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast. Coast to Coast.